you think? TakeOver, the title came from the NXT Universe. They've been begging for something different, something of their own. It is not about what we think about this. It's what the NXT Universe thinks. This is your show. Listen to this place! The next wave of superstars is upon us. They know it, they feel it. They are moments away. Setting the stage for career greatness. We are taking over. It's not about money. It's not about fame. It's not about any of that. You never know when the opportunity is going to come again. That's why you push as hard as you can when you have the chance. It is about passion and their desire to be the best. Show's going to take over, right? This is a moment in time. The atmosphere is absolutely nuclear. The takeover is underway. You guys are NXT. Thank you for always believing. Thank you for the support. And we'll see you next time. It's an event like no other. And the best is yet to come. This is TakeOver 25. Adam Cole was born to be the NXT champion. Adam Cole gave me his best shot at TakeOver New York. I came back and I won. I can do it again. Prince Pretty is home. Tyler Breeze is looking to win the North American title. Tyler Breeze. You just don't interest people anymore. The upgrade? The Velveteen Dream. She's all out of weapons. You two got my best friend. She's all out of friends. That takeover, and I still have all my backup. I'm going to kick your ass. We will not stop until we run this place. And we're looking to exact some revenge. Oh, Roderick Strong. Good night, Riddle. The takeover, the Undisputed Era, will be draped in gold. Four-way ladder match for the NXT Tag Team titles. I am going to take the NXT Championship. You can never beat me on your own. And that is undisputed. And now, the National Highway Transportation Safety Administration presents NXT TakeOver 25. Um, the show starts off with a montage about NXT, effectively, how they got to uh, take over 25. Let's be honest, it's a bit self-aggrandizing and patting themselves on the back a little bit. But, fair fact, they've had a lot of good people come from there. They have, and uh, I thought this was just a nice little retrospective video. I quite enjoyed it. I enjoy the fact that Triple H is front and centre. Obviously. Because, yeah, but also I think given the way that it's gone, since he's obviously had his health difficulties and he's been taken out of NXT, like, it's quite interesting to know, actually, like, probably onto a good thing, and now they're apparently not. I watched it in about three years, so See? no idea. So I don't know. So I listened to a couple of other wrestling podcasts, mainly the Ringer um, wrestling podcast. Fucking turncoat. Yeah, I know. But they seem, everyone seems to be quite high on it, on NXT yeah. 2.0. Yeah, apparently by all the cases, it's quite good. I've tried watching it. It looks a bit too weird. It's too bright. It's like really bright. It's just it, that immediately puts me off in the first place. It's extraordinarily bright. And uh, that is why I wouldn't watch it, I think. And it, it makes it look a bit cheap. 
I think. I think it makes it look like a um, ITV version of wrestling. Yeah. It's like a game show almost, rather than rather than actual wrestling. But anyway, the big Bradley Walsh's NXT 2.0. Oh, imagine, yeah, imagine. Oh, you could do one. Um, you know, like how um, Big Break was like a game show about snooker, like a game show about wrestling. You know what I mean? Like you have to like you'd have like a wrestler in each corner, and every time you got like a question right, your wrestler could like do a power bomb on the other one or something oh, like that. Yes, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Who would you host it? Who would you get to host it? Tinky, probably. Yeah, well, I, I'm a big Bradley Walsh guy, which is why I mentioned him. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, genuinely, probably one of the biggest Bradley Walsh guys in the business. Really? Yeah, I reckon. I just think he's great. But if if he's not available and Jim Davidson's not available... <laughs> the heel commentator. The heel yeah. manager. <laughs> like, what? Richard, question, Os- Richard Osman as the um, uh, giant Gonzalez in oh, giant Gonzalez because you know you know that Richard Osman would be an absolute terrible worker yeah so you have they flip it so the wrestlers answer the questions and the celebrities do moves on each other oh yeah I like so that so it's so dangerous <laughs> <laughs> like people getting crippled yes people getting killed <laughs> like um and, and Robinson uh, was taken to hospital one day <laughs> After, after an awful gut wrench suplex through a through an exploding table by fucking I don't know um, Peter Andre. <laughs> Peter Andre, poor old poor old chipper lad. Huh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a news a news headline that said Peter Andre once again has to defend his manhood. <laughs> That's a that's a, that's something for the people who follow the probably now finished Wagatha Christie trial. It <laughs> once yet again. <laughs> <laughs> Gaffer tape out your bastards, it's the random wrestling review. I'm Tom Smith, and I'm joined by the only man who could give Alex Wright a run for his money on the dance floor. He's more than a man, he's old man. How you doing, mate? I'm doing good, thank you, mate. It's good to have my uh, my dance moves finally given the limelight they deserve, because I think we can all agree that Alex Wright is the absolute don when it comes to dancing. Well, just a little bit uh, behind the curtains. Um, we uh, went to a stag weekend a couple of weeks ago by the time this episode comes out. And uh, I must admit, we were in a, in, a, in a nightclub in Splits in Croatia, and they didn't know what hit it. Old Man's shirt popped off at one point, which was, yes. which was a personal highlight, <laughs> accosted by a Dutch female rugby team. Um, yeah, and let's not forget who else I was accosted by, Tommy. It was oh, you. Yes. That's it. There, there's actually photographic evidence of me uncutting old man's shirt. So I'm also joined by a man who recently joined me in the I'm a twat for watching the wrong show club. It's Matt Roberts. Oh no, hang on. He's another bigger twat because he decided an hour before the recording that he couldn't make it. So um, we've called in a ringer, old man. I, I hope he's not a cunt. Oh, well, I can't make any promises because that's all we deal with on this show. Well, but we've got, true, yeah. we've got the one enemy. Then Spinner with us joining us for a little bit. Ooh. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, not bad. This is this is bizarre to say the least. This is very, very strange. Very, well, how, very strange. Well, like my, 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 how the turntables, Tinky. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into so Tinky's not going to be here for the whole show because we wanted to get him in just for the Pathetic. last. Pathetic. Just well, in got... fairness, I I haven't watched the show, so I couldn't help you out. No. But nevertheless, you're going to join us for the first part of the show uh, where we are going to be playing the game again. Yes. 
So I hope you've got your thinking cocks on. I think this is the only reason I'm here is because Tom had such a good idea for the game that he didn't want to waste it and lose it. So I think that's the only reason I've been invited to join. Well, to be honest, I hate to break it to you, but it's not that good a category. <laughs> but we'll have to see. Um, before we get into the game, just a reminder to check us out on our social media accounts at RWRPodUK on Twitter and Instagram. We're also on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook was Facebook was ruined when parents got on it, wasn't it? <laughs> that was when that was when it all that was all when it all went to shit. When all of a sudden you're posting something that you think is very witty and it's liked by your auntie and you're like, oh fuck's sake. That's not that's not going that's not going to happen anymore, is it? So also, well, I look back on my old Facebook post from like 2010 and before, and it's not a pretty sight. So you know, you get those like you get those like what what happened this day things every day. Yeah. You look back on them, and some of them you're like, there's no way I would post that now. Well, yeah, I know what you mean. You go back and you look at it, and you're like, oh, for some reason, why have I written James Blunt is a fucking cunt in all capitals <laughs> for no reason? Yeah, there's no need to capitalise that. Just, uh, <laughs> no. just... <laughs> I thought Facebook had changed its name to like meta or something the company yeah that's the, the overarching uh, company so facebook whatsapp instagram all that shit are owned by meta so that's that's what that is it's like john lewis and partners <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> very much so so the game lads so on this show uh, that we're reviewing today which is nxt takeover 25 um there is a tag team match to crown the 16th nxt tag team champions i want i want a list the old man's looking like he's in absolute agony at the moment yeah, this is going to be very, very tough. In the extreme. No, no, no. It's not ECW, mate. It's NXT. Oh, I Hang might on, have been so, all right with that. Hang on. It's up to this point. As current, up to now. As, as up we're to recording. now. Cool. Not that that's going to help, because I haven't no. even paid attention to NXT for about a year. Well, I, reckon, I reckon you guys can get a good four between you. <laughs> the faith you've got in us is unbelievable. Knows no mm. bounds. Exactly. Right. So I'm going to let Old Man go first. The Viking Raiders... They yes, because they were the ones the who war. vacated the title. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. war raiders, but the war raiders, yes, but yes, that's what they were. That's what they were calling at the time. So we'll have that. Um, I'm gonna go with the Vault Villains. Yes, they are on here. Vault Villains, Aiden English and Simon Gooch, Graham's brother. <laughs> uh, the Undisputed Era. So Carl O'Reilly and Bobby the Fish. Yes, Billy the Fish is his correct name. Billy yes, fish, I'll, I'll let you have them anyway because it's uh, yeah, it just says the Undisputed Era. So yes. Did they um like Freebird rule it? No, no, they didn't. Because there's one that says the Undisputed Era, uh, all four of them, and there's another one that says the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly. So I wonder if they did free Freebird rule it. Hmm. He's already told you. No, they didn't. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Cool, sorry. I don't think they did. Okay. Uh, Blake and Murphy. Yes, they are on there. Wesley Blake, Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy. One on January the fifteenth, two thousand and fifteen. Uh, the revival. Yes, two-time champions. First one in October, uh, twenty fifteen, and then they won it again on June sixth, twenty sixteen. I'm gonna guess then that American Alpha won the title. Yep, titles. that is who they lost and then won it back from. They had a, ah. if memory is correct, they had an absolute belting series of matches. I was going to say, take a bit of that. I'll be honest, I've got absolutely no idea. So I will go Breeze Ango. Do you know what, mate? You've only bloody gone and done it. Oh, lovely old job. That is lovely. Breeze Ango won it on August 26th, 2020. Reasonably recent holders of it. Okay, I really do not know anymore. So I'm going to go for what are they called. I think I think he's thinking of. I can't remember. I can only remember one of the fucking team. So I may even have to change that. Right, fuck it. I'll go with. I've got loads of, loads listed. Fuck it. Lucha Dragons. Yes. The yep. Sincara. Uh, well, Kalista and Sincara. Sincara still doesn't know how to do the Lucha Lucha chant properly. <laughs> still getting it wrong at that time. Uh, the authors of pain. Yes. 
they are on that AOP. What happened to them? Uh, they got released. One of them got injured, and apparently one of them had quite a bad attitude. So they said, "Yeah." They sound they sound like a great pair of lads. <laughs> Especially for the vote for the noise. Yeah. Ah. I <laughs> was a yeah. Oh, I see. How about right? This is the team, and I couldn't remember the partner's name, but I think I remembered the team name. MSK. MSK, yes. Wesley and Nash Carter. I could remember Wesley, but I couldn't remember his tag team partner's name. But Wesley just stuck in my head because it's two different words rather than one. <laughs> but it yeah. sounds like it's one. <laughs> yeah, so we, we had we've already had a Wesley and a Wesley. Mm, amazing. Oh, God. Amazing. <laughs> How about uh, Champa in Gargano? Yes, DIY. B&Q's yeah. website. <laughs> It is lovely, isn't it? DIY.com. Brilliant. Famously named after. And, and, if you, and if you the listeners want to put a few uh, you know a few quarters in the tip jar by going over to our personal link on the B&Q website it's www.diy.com slash random wrestling review then you'll go to a broken link because it doesn't exist um, yeah that would be amazing imagine that for a sponsor by B&Q I, can, I can't think of three less handy people than us hang on hang on I think he's getting all this extra time yeah I'm going to go with Enzo Amore and Big Cass um no <laughs> Yes. I did it. I didn't think so. No. So it's really good. So that was a very good show. And that's better than we thought. First tag team champions were British Ambition, Adrian that- Neville and Oliver Gray. Oliver Gray? Yeah. Oliver, I know. Da- Oliver Gray? <laughs> David Gray's brother. No, I mean Oliver Gray. The Wyatt family, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan. Then Adrian Neville and Corey Graves. Then The Ascension. I really thought they would make it on something. The- then Sanity, Eric Young and Alexander Wolfe. Uh, Mustache Mountain. Tyler Bate and Trent Seven. Oh. Then the Street Profits, the Broserweights, which is Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn. Yeah, Imperium. So yeah, Imperium, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel, whoever the fuck they are. Oh, my boys, uh, Oni Larkin and Danny Birch. Oh, crack. Then Imperium again. Then at the moment, they're currently being held by someone called Pretty Deadly, which is Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. I'll tell you what, if that doesn't sound like a really bad like 80s cover band that you're gonna see down at the Reckless Engineer, I don't know I don't know what does. Elton Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Elton Prince and Kit Wilson. Lovely old job. Good. You didn't get that many kits. We went to school with a kit, didn't we? We certainly did. Back in junior school. Now I don't know what you want to do, Tinker. I don't know if you want to hang around for a little bit and just chuck some snide comments in here and here and there as as is your one. Or um you could head off or you could talk about social uh, social things. <laughs> Let's talk about social things, man. <laughs> Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about social <laughs> things. <Let's> talk... <laughs> so, um, yeah, do you want to hang around for our talking points or anything, or do you want to uh, do you want to just fuck off? I'm going to fuck so, off, guys. I'm exhausted, and uh, I, as I said, I haven't watched the show yet. Uh, I had watched last week's show before yeah. you guys did it, but this week I hadn't managed to get the chance, and I thought, well, it doesn't matter because I'm not going to be on it. And then last minute, next thing you know, well, do you know what I would do? You know what I'd like from Tinky. Give me your hopes and fears for NXT Takeover 25. Okay, I, I imagine that there were going to be some very, very good matches, but my my fear was that I would be a little bit fatigued by those matches because NXT NXT matches especially of this period seem tend to be extremely intense extremely like dramatic and quite long as well and they, they almost you you kind of feel like you have to be invested in every single one and so I was a bit worried that by the end I'd be like oh yeah here we go another another 
epic another match where i've got to kind of you know go through it the mill again where actually i think what i found from watching this from watching all the shows we've done as part of this podcast is that i i like the little bits of crap in the middle that just get you through to the other good stuff you know i don't i, I can't deal with wall-to-wall great wrestling i just think it's too it's too much i don't enjoy it i like great matches that are based around good build and good stories and then a little bit of fluff you know a little bit of something to bring you down and like don't have to pay too much attention to and that is my concern about this show if if i was watching it or if i had watched it which i will do i think uh in the next few days is that i would be like oh god it's, it's just too much for me plus i'm very aware that myra ranello is the commentator on this so i was like that's that's not gonna be good yeah to, to be fair my going into my hopes we'll go to yours in a second old man mine were very much the same I I wasn't watching NXT at this point, so I wasn't sure who was on the rest- roster. There's going to be some good wrestling on the card, but I was very much quaking in my fucking boots before I've had to listen to Mauro Ronello for two and a half hours, and that in itself is, is is enough. I wouldn't necessarily say it was the driving reason, but I did watch NXT reasonably regularly up to a point, and I've got a feeling it might he might have been a contributing factor as to why I stopped watching it because I find him intolerable. We'll come on to that later. Uh, oh man, your hopes and fears. To be honest, very similar. So I stopped watching NXT, not because of Mauro Ranello, because I don't really have anything against him. But my thing was very much what Tinky said, is that I remember them getting very intense, these shows. And I can also remember a period where they had like 40, 45 minute main events. I'm like, nah, I can't be fucking asked with it. To be honest, I can't be asked with it. I, I was kind of, I was a bit like, nah, I, I don't, I'm not. Good luck today, Tom. Good luck today, Tom. <laughs> He's not so serious. He's like, I can't be fucking asked with it. Can't be I mean, because I was like, this is going to be so intense. So for those who don't know, I basically spent the, most of the last week being not very well. I haven't been ill for about two and a half years. And it's so tedious. I feel like I lost a bit of my brain. But I went into it. Once I actually started playing, I was like, you know what, come on, fucking sort yourself out, lad. But before I pressed play, I was a bit like, not sure uh, think, about this. I think, you know, I was thinking back to that NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 show, which is, is excellent. But at the same time, it's five matches. They're all of a decent length. There's no break between any of them. There's nothing, kind of very few backstage bits. In fact, I don't think there was any on that show. So it's just really intense concentration on the ring, which I'm, I'm sure people will think of me as a Philistine for, for not enjoying wall-to-wall wrestling between competent wrestlers i know it's ridiculous but i just do like a little bit of fluff or or just some throwaway stuff it doesn't have to be bad necessarily just stuff that doesn't matter necessarily yeah you think back to like one of the earlier nxt cards that we watch you know with all the stuff like enzo amore and big cast when they're running around <laughs> laughing at the disfigured dis- disgusting bold man <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll leave on that note. And uh, yeah, good luck, guys. Uh, <laughs> I apologize I haven't seen the show, otherwise I would help you all the way through. Nah, of course, mate. Have a good one. Thanks we you, to be fair, we don't fucking need you anyway. I mean, as, as proven by the last couple of weeks. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, man. Bye. It was nice going to turn up and get beaten in the game. Yeah, I know. Exactly. What a waste of time that was. Right, let's get the fucking bears out there. Yeah, yeah, well, fuck it. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Here we go then. All right, now that we got rid of that fucking waste of space, old man, let's uh, let's get onto the real matters, then, shall we? Let's talk about our talking points. So, what is your talking point from this show, old man? As we've mentioned, we've been let down a little this week by James. By James. Sorry, James. By Matt. You're so, you're so used to just digging out. <laughs> Anyone needs <laughs> to get their names wrong. Yeah, that's it. Could be any. It could be nondescript. A, a brat. Yeah. <laughs> Big, big in there, man. Hey, you should yeah. some fucking respect to the name Brett, mate. 
<laughs> like I've stepped on a landmine. <laughs> so, yeah, so Matt would have been here, but unfortunately something's happened in his work life that's meant that he's not been able to make it. And I really wanted to talk about the main event with him. Mm. And that was going to be my talking point. So it's Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano for the NXT Championship. And this is one of those where when I heard it was on the show, I was like, oh, going to be a long one, that. But I thought, you know what? Quite like both of these lads. And they have, start off, have a wonderful little opening sequence. Can't remember it. Yeah, but it's brilliant. So yeah, so it's the NXT uh, uh, Championship. Johnny Gargano is the champion going in versus Adam Cole. The match lasts for 31 minutes and 45 seconds, and the match ends after Adam Cole hits a Panama Sunrise, and then I don't know what his knee, move, like his running knee move is, but he hits the knee yeah. to the back of the head, and we have a new NXT World Champion. Um, the Undisputed Era come down uh, to celebrate with him, and interestingly, old Bobby the Fish has got a uh, got his arm in a sling, which I didn't, yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah. But anyway, we'll come to that later. Yeah, well, apparently he'd been fishing. Uh, yeah, after their, cause they're in the uh, tag team ladder match earlier in the show, he then mm. thought, there's a nice bloody river in where Connecticut, I think they are. Bridge so go. Yeah, I'm going to go and have a little one. He, he went and had a little fish off the bridge. I, I reckon, I reckon, I reckon you're right, he was fishing. But I reckon what he did is he'd done a massive dump in the toilet that had gone round the U-bend. <laughs> he was going down there trying to fish out this massive dump, slipped, arm, go around the U-bend, dislocated. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then... Carlo Riley and Roderick Strong had to help him. Yeah, the worst thing is as well, at Wadu, like, apparently he shit himself, which is weird considering he just not dropped a massive shit, but the excitement <laughs> of it all, he dropped another load in his pants. And Kylo Riley uh, and Roderick Strong were like, oh, what's going on? He wears really tight shorts as well on this show. He oh, imagine the splat. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh disgusting. Anyway, anyway back, back to the matter at hand. Yeah. Uh, and we're not talking about Bobby Fish, Bobby the Fish's uh, turd. Uh, so, this Bobby the Squish, really... if you will. <laughs> starts with this wonderful chain wrestling sequence. And I'm like, oh, hello. We're coming in our ear, lads. And then it all just feels very choreographed. And it felt very manufactured for, I think it's probably about 15 minutes. And they'd lost me completely. The last, I think it's probably the last two or three minutes are good. And I feel like this is one of those. So Tinky mentioned this. The other week, I can't remember the specific match, but he talked about Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch at WrestleMania this year on the Saturday and how he knew it was good, but he just didn't, something didn't click with him. And I really got that with this because I don't know whether there's like, they're doing everything that I like. They're working over limbs, they're wrestling, they're having a nice time, they're moving at a fair lick, they're slowing it down, they're picking it up. But I don't know, it felt like a transition from one sequence of the match to the next and it just I don't know I just didn't I don't know whether I'm a philistine whether I'm some pervert or something but I just didn't didn't do anything for me that's like anything at all either that's interesting because I I quite like this match bear in mind so I don't really like Adam Cole I don't get it I don't get him at all I said this on the podcast before I hate the Adam Cole baby thing it does my head in I feel like if you're a heel you shouldn't be caught in the crowd to cheer you and whilst you could possibly justify there may be shades of grey with Adam Cole's character. Based upon the pre-match video package, he is very much clearly healed. The Undisputed Era are going there, beating down Johnny Gargano a lot. So that already already gets my back up straight away at the beginning. I realise I haven't seen, I think I've seen one other match with Johnny Gargano. Hmm. And that was the, the street fight that we covered against Tommaso Ciampa, which is far more of a brawl 
than a wrestling match. So this might sound like a bit of a mad thing to say, considering that I knew his nickname was Johnny Wrestling, but I don't think I appreciate how much of, how much of a good technician um, Johnny Gargano was. And I thought right at the beginning, I thought it, the, the match felt like quite a big deal. And, and we'll come on to um, come on to the actual match in a second. But I want to go back to the pre-match kind of video, because the story that they tell in that is that obviously Johnny Gargano won the title from Adam Cole in the two out of three falls match. So And in that match, Adam Cole got the first pinfall. And he's using that as a justification as to why he shouldn't have lost the belt. Now, even though it's a warped justification, it doesn't make any sense. I felt like he, at least in the in the video package, showed that he had enough conviction about his beliefs in it to make you think, whilst I know that he's wrong, I can see why someone might come to that conclusion. And that's really what makes a great heel work, isn't it? It's, it's being able to see how someone could end up committing these dastardly acts that they do. The actual match itself, I'm quite surprised at what you said because the match is quite slow for a little bit and you kind of said plodding into different sequences but i i didn't necessarily find that one thing i did find interesting is that they they work johnny gargano's right knee usually they always work the left limbs i don't know why i noticed that but it was just something i noticed in it the opening exchange is great there's a couple of really good spots in it johnny gargano does a double foot stomp on the outside uh, whilst um, Adam Cole is kind of leaning against the ring apron, and it looks mm. absolutely horrible. And as the fact that the, the, the match is a bit slower, I don't know if Mauro Ranello is maybe a bit tired, or he's working a little bit reserved, because for that, especially that period in the middle of the match, the action isn't as high-flying as intense. He's the most bearable he is in the entire show on this, this particular match. Mm. And like I said, I think... If he had worked, done the entire pay-per-view and it was a lot more mellow and he went into this match and did it at the level that he's in, I would say that it, it was a really good bit of commentary by him. Like the, the way in which he manages manages to not basically be screaming into the microphone every 10 seconds. But there, there's some really good there's some really good set pieces in there. Like there's a bit where um, Johnny Gargano is in a figure four and he, in order to reverse it and change the pressure over, he like puts on like a wrist lock and then basically like drags Adam Cole over. I thought that was really good. And there's a moment where the, the kind of the crowd are a bit split throughout the match. There's there's lots of Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, or Johnny wrestling Adam Cole chants going. And um, fair play to him. Adam Cole does some good work in there to get the heat onto him. Like there's a bit where he like he rips off um Johnny Gargano's knee pads and starts attacking his knee and that gets him really good hit, really good heat. And there's a moment where he hits Johnny Gargano with a with a super kick as he's doing a suicide dive. He, oh, sorry, a two bear suicide <laughs> as fucking that loud mouth says. And it it looks like it nearly kills him. It's it's absolutely amazing. And there's another another really nice kind of set piece where basically Adam Cole puts the Gargano escape on Gargano and then Gargano gets out of it, then hits Adam Cole with the with the knee, with the running mm. knee from behind, and the crowd just go absolutely insane. And then and then later on, just shortly after, um Johnny Gargano kicks out of a pinfall attempt after the knee, and the crowd are going absolutely insane. And I'm sat there watching this thinking I'm watching a match between someone who I don't particularly rate and someone who I've never really seen. And I'm there like, fuck, I wish I was in that crowd because they are fucking going absolutely nuts. The shirt would be off, gaffer tape and, and discarded pubic hairs would be flying around all over the shop. <laughs> and it'd be, it'd be an absolute mess. And also, there's, there's one bit where, and this is one thing I want to actually discuss. So Adam Cole tries to bring a chair in the ring 
and the referee starts having a go at him. It's the referee that looks like the old situation from the Jersey yeah, Shore. Right. He's the uh, COVID god. So he's the uh, alleged COVID-denying ref who got sacked because of that. Oh, really? Yeah, although he's... I need to like say he said that he didn't deny it. He just has his beliefs. And I don't think he wanted to get... I might, might be getting this one, but I don't think he wanted to get vaccinated. And WWE were like, well, you can piss off then. That's interesting, isn't it? It is. Yeah, yeah. It was quite an interesting story because he. Uh, I got a couple of quotes from him and he came across quite badly. And then I read a pretty much a full interview with him and I was like, oh, actually, like, it's just a man doing what he wants. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's an interesting point I thought about this. Like maybe it's like a wider wrestling point rather than a point about this specific match. But Adam Cole goes to get a chair and the referee starts doing which all referees do. No, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why well, don't give a fuck? <laughs> it made me think, like, why, why, sure, well, just, well, all right, we'll fine, do it, but you'll be disqualified. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's really weird. Like, I was just I was thinking about it. Like, it'd be like the idea of, like, in, in football, someone's trying to delay a free kick or, or, or it's like encroaching on a, on a throw in or, you know what I mean? Something like that. And you'd be like, the referee getting really passionate about it. No, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's, no, just get the fucking book out. Just chuck a yellow yeah. card at him and then I'll stop doing it. I thought, I'd, 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 that's, that's a really weird trope that goes on in wrestling that. Which is, is very specific to that. It's interesting you said this because this was the moment where they completely lost me because this came at a time of the match where I felt everything was very like I said, they were plot they were going from one sequence to the next, one sequence to the next, and there was a lot of turning around looking, Oh look, someone's coming towards me to do something. I'm gonna counter this with something. It felt very choreographed. And this was the final straw for me because mm. it was so obvious what was happening. And I had the exact thought that you just had, Tommy. If he had the chair in the ring, I'd have been like, cool, I can get on board with that. I can understand it. It makes sense. But Johnny Gargano's in the ring and Adam Cole is outside the ring. The referee goes outside the ring. Mm. I was like, nah, just silly, silly refereeing. And it really, like I said, it really took me out. I get the feeling this is actually brilliant. And I just think that the time that I was watching it, so I watched this in two, two bits. So I did up to after the Velveteen Dream title breeze and then watched the last two matches a few hours apart. And uh, yeah, I don't know whether... Uh, nah. So I did I did it over three sittings. I did the the first match on this thing. Then I did yeah. everything up to uh, up to and including the, the female match, the COVID event, or the, the yeah. lady wrestling match, as our AWA <laughs> friends like to say. And then I watched the last one. And I wonder if that might have helped as well because it is a long mm. match, like 31 minutes, 31 minutes, 45 it's a fucking long time to sit, to sit and watch a wrestling match for. I think they just might pull it off. It sounds like, according to you, they don't quite pull it off. No. Um, it'd be interesting to see if, if there was a third person. I know that Matt said in the group in our WhatsApp chat earlier that it's one of his favourite matches. So it would have been yeah. very interesting to hear his thoughts on that. But unfortunately, it's not here. My talking point, I think you know what it is. It's fucking Mauro Inello. I don't, I can't. I can't. It, his voice and his inflections and the way he speaks and the things that he says boil my blood. <laughs> Watching it, I can't stand him. I genuinely cannot stand his commentary. I'm sure he's a nice enough guy, but like his, it just it's not for me at all. There's everything, right from the almost the first kind of striking exchange in the opening match, he is screaming into the microphone. I would take Don West getting fisted. 
and listening to the audio of that over listening to Mauro Ranallo because it genuinely, I, I if I think back on it, if I was to watch this again, I'd watch it without the commentary on. I put on, I put on the new Kendrick Lamar album and I watch this and I'd have a lovely time. But it's just too much. And the problem is, by virtue of the fact that he's screaming all the time, he brings up the other commentary team, the other commentators who are Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix. And they have to match his energy. And it's all of them seem so forced. It doesn't sound natural when Nigel McGuinness is shouting at the top of his lungs and trying to match the enthusiasm. And I think this is quite early in Beth Phoenix's reign. I think this is her first takeover that she's on. And you can tell that she feels a little bit out of her depth as well by virtue of having to try and keep up with him the entire time. There is no chill in the man whatsoever. It is just intensity, intensity, intensity. And almost to the point where there's one bit, he says something, and I can't remember exactly what it is he says. I've got it written down somewhere in, in my notes. I just laughed. I just laughed because I was like, this this is this guy cannot be serious in, in with these inflections and the way he's talking. He almost ruins the entire pay-per-view for me. I'm not a hater of Mauro Ranello, but this is the closest I've come. We'll obviously go through the rest of the card later on, but you've got Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong, which is like a little a little grudge match, basically a way for both guys to be on the card. Lovely old job. You've got Velveteen Dream Tyler Breeze, which is admittedly for the North American Championship, but it's not a particularly big match, and he is blowing his top for those matches. And Because he does start this pay-per-view so hot, and I'm like, careful, mate, because you've got nowhere to go from here. I wonder if that's why I didn't, because uh, there was a significant drop off in the car after a certain point for me. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you've hit on why. And it's because I found the commentary team so hard and so energetic energized by everything that I'm just like, oh, there's nowhere to go. And your point about Beth Phoenix in particular, I felt sorry for her because she's having to shout and she's not got a very powerful voice. Mm. And when she's just talking, it's great. And the same goes for McGuinness as well. He's not a shouter. He's a talker and he's a great commentator. And from what I've heard, I've heard much less of Beth Phoenix, but what I've heard of her, she's really good as well. And you stick Vic Joseph in there with those two. Tom Phillips. Oh, Tommy Phillips. I just pour one out for Tommy Phillips. (laughs) That's a voice I really miss. And a very underrated voice on WWE. And when you hear Ronello, like I said, I don't hate him. He's in the JR mode, isn't he? Where he's quoting and referencing other sports just constantly. It's fun. But the, the difference is that the thing that makes JR so great is that he knows when to do it and when not to do it. He knows when to mm-hmm. when to bring it down, when to add a bit of levity, when to tone it down, when to bring it back up again. Whereas he's just on all the time. And I wonder if that's I think he's got a combat sports background. I think he do, used to do like Bellator, he used to do some some kind of MMA mm-hmm. promotion. And I can imagine it lent that his style of commentary lending itself to that quite well. Because there are moments where you basically can't do that because nothing's really happening. There might be some grappling going along or, or, or the two fighters feeding each other out. But then when something really impactful happens, like a big knockout or a really impressive takedown or a submission uh, and, and, and an unexpected victory, that's when you can talk in the manner that he does. But because mm. obviously the fact that because it's obviously predetermined and, and, and what goes on in the match, you, the, re- the reason why wrestling's worked in the first place is because it was boring back in like the 20s or whenever it was when they were doing the, mm. the touring wrestling matches. So they ended up putting these in. And there isn't, there are no moments where nothing's happening. So he's just constantly at this high level all the time. And it, oh God, it was awful. Tedious, tedious man. Yeah, I can't imagine how exhausted he must have been as well. Yeah. 
And also, he's a man who. Uh, this is the first time I ever I've ever thought this. Watching this show was like he's a man who uh, is openly struggled with his mental health with depression. And I just wonder. I'm not bloody surprised if you're having to work at this level mm. for this. So this is two, just under two hours forty. This card, and he is full blast for probably two hours of it. The come down must be horrendous. Yeah, th- there's also I think I hesitate to say this a little bit, but there's a bit in it where he makes a comment about. Velveteen Dreams attire in their match and uh, he's like he wore, wore some interesting attire or an interesting get up or something like that and uh, Nigel McGuinness goes yes but like you on the weekends nothing Reynolds does not sell it at all and I wonder yeah. like if he's obviously because of maybe his struggles with his mental health or, or maybe he's like really sensitive or something but it's one of those things where you're like well that could have, could have just a little chuckle to that would have added a little yeah. bit of levity you know but he just don't don't go for it it's, it was a difficult listen the entire show and like, listen I don't want to rag on the man too hard because like he is ultimately he's a person who's coming to work and trying to do a good job but fuck me it's not for me not for me in the slightest well that's a pity because uh we've we've got him here special guest fucking hell fucking hell yeah he used to work for new japan really yeah i mean given that uh older the hermaphrodite kevin kelly works for them well it's quite quite a surprise the thing that would be really interesting i'm sure i'm assuming he would probably be in a different studio elsewhere but could you imagine if he was doing commentary in the actual arena where they just sit there in silence and he was just Bellowing out. <laughs> oh my god, I, 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 I. <laughs> everyone's so crossed. This fucking yeah, like, guy. Yeah, what's he up to over there? You think <laughs> think he might be having an aneurysm? <laughs> Someone call a doctor. He was um another thing for you, mate. CBS Sports Commentator of the Year, 2018 and 19, and oh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter Best Television Announcer, 2015 to 17. We'll get another striking example of the fact that Dave Meltzer doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. Yeah, that will crit in. <laughs> Chinese boulder dash. No, yeah, with, with his fucking hairy arms. Anyway, that is uh, the talking points. We will be back in a short minute just to cover the rest of the show. A short minute, only. So instead today of going to our normal break like we would normally, we are going to do something a little bit different. There's two reasons for that. First of all, um, there's no promos in the show that we're covering this week that I could put in the middle bit. And secondly, Matt wanted to be on the show so much that as we're doing the taping for next week's show, I thought, well, we could just do an extra little bit that could slot into the halfway stage. And Matt could actually have his say about NXT TakeOver 25, which is the show that you've been, been listening to Old Man and Tom talk about. Steve, I don't know. Do you remember NXT Takeover 25 at all? Uh, is that the one? That's the one after Brooklyn, isn't it? With Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole in the main event, maybe. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So that's the show that these guys have been covering. Now Matt was due to be on the show, but then for personal reasons couldn't make it. And as Old Man and Tom, I'm sure, are going to talk about at some point, they know how gutted he was to miss it. So what I thought is we can give him the chance now to do that a week later. But to you guys listening, it will be as if it was literally the same day. So. Um, Matt, first of all, one, I want to clarify one thing. So you said on the chat that this contains one of your favourite ever matches. M- myself, Old Man and Tom have all assumed that is the main event. Is that right? 100%. Absolutely. Okay, that's a good start. So what I thought I'd do, first of all, Matt, is I before I give you your chance to, to, to tell us what you think, I thought I'd play back to you what Old Man and Tom said. Yeah, yeah, cool. Sounds great. So Tom thought it was a really good match. Thought it was a really, really good match. Enjoyed it a lot. Man, found it a bit boring. So he, he enjoyed the first three, four minutes. Thought it was a really good first three, four minutes. And then after that, the 15 minutes in the middle, he found really dull and then enjoyed sort of the end point, the end bits of the match as well. So that was their take. Uh, I'm going to give you the chance to have your take on it now. 
I think everybody knows at this point, I have a little bit of a bias when it comes to Johnny Gargano. I'm going to make no bones about it. I'd probably say, as far as wrestlers go, he's probably, for me, one of the best over the last 10 years. And I would easily put some of his matches up there against any of some of the greats. And I I just generally think he's one of the best. Now, his feud with Adam Cole was absolutely phenomenal. Now, when I first heard that this was going to be one of the matches that we were looking at, absolutely, I wanted to talk about it because it is absolutely fantastic. It's not quite as good as they because they had their th- sort of three match series the the first one uh which was prior i i still think is the best one this was just underneath that but it was an absolutely fantastic match i, I personally think that gargano should have got the win and kept the title for a little bit longer i think it was a little bit early and a little bit premature to take it from him and looking back at it now, I just think it's a dying shame that he never got to have that lengthy NXT run as he thoroughly deserved because he just put on some of the best matches constantly throughout NXT history. And this one, I felt, was one of them. Cole and Gargano just clicked so well together, you know, with the Undisputed Era trying to help Adam Cole at the end. I mean, like I said, I I take slight issue with the result of this one. I do think it should have gone the other way. But again, in terms of match quality, it was absolutely phenomenal. Start to finish. Stephen, do you remember the match at all? Well, I do, because I was at the first one. So I was at the NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn. And I remember thinking that this one was really, really good. But again, just a tiny bit underneath the match. I, I, the, the match with Gargano and Cole won was, was the best match I'd ever seen live up to that point, 100%. And it's probably... So I go back and forth in my mind about whether whether that is two or Osprey and Hiroma and Tokyo Dome is two. They're both very, very good. I think the atmosphere is better in Brooklyn, so that's probably edges it. But it was it was like night and day, literally. I was in like a... It's like an out-of-body experience for that. And then the second one, obviously I'm biased the one I saw live, but the second one was phenomenal. I completely agree about Johnny Gargano. How he didn't get, a you know, some run on the main roster. It was like an underneath baby face. He rises... You know, you could, you could have done so much stuff with him. Um, but yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. Cool. That's good. That's good stuff. So in a minute, Matt, what I'm also going to do is ask you to give you your... Give your overall review of the show like your overall summary and your um, score out of 10 so that we can balance Tom and Old Man's scores properly before I do that I'm going to give you my take on the Adam Cole Johnny Gargano match because I didn't agree I don't agree with anybody who's talked about it so I don't agree with Old Man I don't agree with Tom I don't agree with either of you I thought it was a very 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 good match very very good like I'd give it you know if I had to give it a star rating not that I'm prone to that but if I had to give it a star rating I'd give it a good four and a half maybe even five stars I really would but I have no fondness for it whatsoever absolutely none I found it to be incredibly lacking in emotion in every way shape and form don't get me wrong the crowd are really excited but i didn't get the impression that anyone really cared who won or lost i didn't care who won or lost and i don't think that adam and i'm gonna shoot a little bit on adam cole here because i think this is adam cole's biggest problem he does he's supposed to be the heel he does not in any way encourage people to boo against him ever so i'm not just talking about in the obvious stuff so when he gets in the ring and does the boom and he does the adam cole baby now if that stuff drew heat then i'd be i have no problem doing it but the fact that it doesn't and he's always booked as a heel and he still does it i think is ridiculous and tom made that point earlier on in the in the show the bigger problem i think though that he's got is that during his matches he doesn't act like a heel there's never had a point where he's cheating he gets the advantage by being a good wrestler. Basically, that for me, people think, I think these days, people think that the essence of being a heel is just doing bad things 
outside the ring or gang attacks or, or whatever or being arrogant or whatever the essence of being a heel is that you are not as good as the baby face and so you have to cheat to win that's the essence of being a heel. There's no point in, in there being a heel if they're just as good as the baby faces. You can't keep heat on that. You, it just doesn't work. If people are really, if people say they're the best in the world and then prove it over and over again, it doesn't. It, there's no emotion. There's no. There's no heat on that. You can't keep heat on that. And Adam Cole, and I think there's a lot of people who are guilty of this. I think Kenny Omega's a little bit guilty of this as well. Is a wrestler who basically tells everyone he's the best and then out wrestles his opponent regularly. That's not a heel. That's not heel that's not and triple triple h was probably the first one to do this on a regular basis if you go back to rick flair for example when he was doing his heel run he had the only way he could get the advantage ever was to thumb them in the eye rake the face low blow whatever it was and that's how you get the advantage over and over again in a match if you watch an adam cole match or a kenny omega match they out wrestle their opponents they're the heels they shouldn't be able to do that it should be that's how you get the heat on them because you make people realize that actually they couldn't be in the main event if they didn't do those things and the, and the problem is is that in that match adam cole's the heel he's getting 60 percent of the cheers in the match and it just said to me that no one really cares they just want a dramatic near fall technical match and so i kind of i kind of equated it to like imagine okay computer by radiohead okay which is considered one of the best albums ever right i don't particularly like that album because whilst i can see the technical quality of it the production values there's really cool riffs there's some really cool bits and pieces on it just there's just no emotion for me i don't i don't, there's no blood going to it for me there's no kind of like doesn't doesn't grab me in any way i feel the same way about the usual suspects it's really well acted there's some funny bits but it's there's just no emotion i don't get anything from it there's no heart and that's what i got from this match is there was absolutely no emotion at all it was just wow this is really a very technically very good match but it was very much from the head that i was feeling that not from the heart and that's my problem with that match so i think it was a great great match if you judge it purely on a technical perspective but from an emotive point of view which for me is much more important when it comes to pro wrestling it failed can i offer a slightly contrary view on heels i think the vast majority of heels can be what you said but i do think there's a place for a heel that is an absolute dick but no one can beat him and i think that one of the ultimate heels in any sport ever was floyd mayweather and floyd mayweather was a heel because he was an absolute dick he was the best and no one could beat him. But I stayed up watching, you know, numerous pay-per-views of his, just clinging on to that glimmer of hope that that would be the night that someone would beat him. Um, so I, I do think you can, I do think there's space for that. But I do understand it as well about this particular match. I think he, I think Cole healed more in the Brooklyn match. I've got more, you know, better memories of. But I, I know it's, it's like an, in, it's like an indie thing. I think another, another thing in terms of the Oku and Osprey match. I don't know if you've seen that, but. Osprey didn't really cheat in that, but he was just total dick, like a violent, violent, violent dick to to Oka and like took it way too far. But he didn't yeah. really cheat. So I think there's nuances and it can still work. But that nuance is not to say that what Cole was doing in this was that nuance. He was doing the indie 50-50 dueling yeah. crowd, that kind of thing, which isn't really being a heel either side of the coin, I suppose, is it? Well, the other thing I would counter that with, Stephen, is that I agree with you. There is a place for it. It's just that everyone's doing it. So mm. Kenny Omega does it. Adam Cole does it. Will Ospreay does it. 
hell, even Roman Reigns does it to an to an extent. And, and in fairness to Roman Reigns, yeah, in fairness to Roman Reigns, it's a bit different because he's a big fucker as well. So mm. it makes sense that he would ordinarily dominate his opponents. But there's so many people doing it. There's no heat on any of them. They're all just yeah. getting cheered. There's just a huge proportion of the audience cheering for them. So I accept, Stephen, you're right. There's a place for someone to do it. But AEW is stuffed with them. Hell, even one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, Brian Danielson, was doing it when he was facing um, Adam Page. And I'm just like, this is not this is not right this doesn't this isn't how you do it not everyone there's not space for everyone to do this you can do this with one person and one person only you can't do it with multiple people in the same promotion even which is what's happened in AEW. Yeah. so matt the other thing i want to do as i said was give you your chance to give your overall rating for the show and kind of your and just your overall summary of what you thought of it okay um no worries well um to give you my overall rating of the show um i went with an eight i felt this was a very 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 good show to be honest i i when I you know went back and watched it I, I forgotten how good you know NXT takeovers in general for about a year two years you know whatever that sort of time span was were that good you, you know you could consistently rely on the quality of NXT takeover month after month after month after month and this was no exception it, it was a fantastic show and um, there was some really great stuff on there and, and you know to this day it's one of my favorite Matt Riddle matches as well I'm not the biggest Matt Riddle fan in the world, but him versus Roderick Strong was a fantastic match on that card. I, I know he's not the most popular person in the world, but Velveteen Dream, who nobody speaks about anymore for obvious reasons, he was actually pretty good on this show. You know, there was the tag team title match, which was also excellent. The women's title match was not as good as some other previous women's title matches have been and I do I did like Shayna Baszler but to be honest she was a little bit hit and miss at times I felt um it, it would depend on who the opponent was but th- that that was okay and then like I said I mean the, the main event 100% w- was what you know what what you know stole the show for me I, I totally get what you're saying in, in terms of Adam Cole be, you know tr- not really trying to get the the sort of heel response you know he's just he's cool I do agree that I do feel that that did sort of not ruin the match, but but it, it definitely did make it not as good as the previous one. The crowd being, you know, pretty much more towards Adam Cole. Yeah, that, that did kind of ruin it because th- this was Gargano's night. Well, it was meant to be and obviously it wasn't. But like I said, it, it, in terms of quality show, look no further. This is one of the best shows that, that I've seen in years. So 100%, if you haven't seen it, go out, go out of your way to do so. So we will. Uh, what we'll do there is we'll stop that there, and we'll uh, we'll let Tom and Old Man continue their review. Uh, you'll go back to them, and uh, we will catch you next week when we will be the team covering the next show, which I won't uh, I won't spoil for you just yet. So welcome back, everyone. We are about to cover the rest of the show now. So basically, this is a NXT 25 presented by the National Highway Transportation Safety Association <laughs> from the Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, there was an attendance, but I couldn't find it on Wikipedia. And as that is our only source of truth for this podcast, I didn't look mm. for it anywhere else. Um, also, man, I just wanted to quickly say to you, you always tell us to remember something. I'm going to remind you, click it or tick it. <laughs> Thank you. I have a very odd sponsor, but one I also kind of appreciated. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, what does, do you need to, re- I guess evidently, maybe in Bridgeport, Connecticut, it's rife with people not, not putting their seatbelts on. Yeah, not but to be honest, it. to be honest, looking at that crowd, I reckon they are. Yeah, yeah it's seeing their eyes. <laughs> seeing their eyes. Yeah, I've never been to Bridgeport, Connecticut, so I'm assuming it's an absolute cesspit. <laughs> we are welcomed uh, by Mauro Minetto, not Drew McGuinness, and... Uh, <laughs> You actually made me jump then. <laughs> <laughs> I can shit myself. I'm going to have to go and check my pants. 
and the NXT Takeover debut from Beth Phoenix. And our opening match of the night is Roderick Strong versus Matt Riddle, now known as Riddle on the main roster. Uh, in case anybody didn't know, couldn't put two and two together. <laughs> uh, the match goes on 14 minutes and 45 seconds, and Riddle wins when he hits a cradle, belly to back, inverted mat slam, which is for anybody who doesn't know what it is, which I didn't. It's kind of get somebody in a powerbomb position, in a in a tombstone position. Then you put your hand in between your legs and clutch it with the other hand and just fall forward. Not, if I'm being honest, the most impressive move to finish uh, this match. We had lots of high impact moves, but that is the end of the match. Um, and then he does a really horrible spit afterwards, immediately yeah. after the pinfall, which is pretty gross. What are your thoughts on this, old man? I thought this was very good. This is two guys I like, so I was predisposed to like this. Riddle is bloody great. I, I thought this for a while, and watching this, because this is quite early in his, I think he's maybe only been about 18 months or so at this point. He's really good. Roderick Strong is... He's like a James Milner in his heyday. He's a 7 out of 10. He's probably not going to have one-on-one the best match on the card, but he's never going to let you down. Mm. Just like a good pair of slacks. Yeah, that's a better one, actually. He's a nice pair of slacks. There's a great pace to it. This is 14 minutes, 45 seconds. So they get less than half the time of the main event. But they are able to do what the main event aren't able to do, in that they slow it down, they speed it up, slow it down, speed it up. And Riddle, like, I don't know, he's just got this ability to make the crowd really sympathise with him. And that really came across in this match because you've got, like I said, the crowd are red hot. They are absolutely gagging for it as soon as this card starts. And they really play their part in this match in particular. They play their part later on as well. But they make what is it's quite a flimsy little feud, really, into something that genuinely feels like it matters. Mm. There is a there's a sequence and it to be honest it blew me little socks off where Riddle hits a GTS and then goes into a German suplex mm. and bridges out and it is I mean to be honest it's wasted really because it's a false finish but it looks absolutely incredible and then there is so Riddle is on the ropes and I have it I, this blew my socks off so much I can write down all the details but there's a false finish after what I've termed the riddle on the rope sequence. Mm-hmm. And it is incredible, the false finish. Like, it must be about 10, 11 minutes in, and the crowd, are, they're like, oh, well, that's all over then. We've had a nice time. And they blow their little socks off with that. And I just thought, this is how you make someone. And WWE get, get a fair bit of stick from Sam and God, I've given them enough, about how they maybe don't, don't get me wrong, they're not pulling the trigger on riddle here. But they really make him, and they make him look great. And that's credit to Roderick Strong. There's like the crack in the air falls. There's an escape from a submission that Roderick Strong puts on Riddle. There's Riddle's backs worked over. So there's a couple of things where he can't do certain moves. Mm. It's just really, really good. When you say the Riddle on the rope spot, is that when he goes to do a powerbomb on Roderick Strong. His back gives out. He then leans back onto the ropes and basically Roderick Strong is running back and forth. He's beating the piss yes. out of him. It's yeah. fucking, it's amazing. It's so good. Yeah. And what, what they're really good at in this match is just putting together those really quick high impact sequences of moves. It's really good. This match is, this match is great. And I'm over to touch Mark Riddle actually. He is great. I'm, I'm 100% converted 
uh, onto Matt Riddle because I watched the season of the Ultimate Fighter that was he that he was in, and he didn't come across very well in it. It's quite annoying. And then I watched his kind of middling, you know, he's, he's got a relatively, you know, a modest. MMA career like he's it's not bad but he hasn't ever really fought anyone you know well they could all give me a run for my money I'm sure of it <laughs> but never really fought anyone massively of note and then when he went into wrestling I was a little bit ah well you know I can kind of see how it might work because he's got a bit of personality but I knew he's working the indies and then when he signed for NXT I, I wasn't watching NXT at the time it's weird though because like you said he was a dick on tough he had a very average like MMA run he's quite annoying he wears too little mm. and in this match in particular he's got a ankle bracelet there's yeah. nothing. There's nothing about him that screams babyface to me. But he's so fucking good. Yeah. He's just. He's so so good. And I, from what I, from what little I've seen of his run uh, with Randy Orton as as RK Bro, seems like he's genuinely been bringing the best out of Randy Orton. Mm. And they're having a great time. And he is going to be an absolute superstar for yeah. WWE. So fair play to him. He's, he's a massive convert because I was very sceptical of him. Going into WWE, but specifically going into this match as well. I think I quite liked the beginning of the match. Did you notice this weird thing with the lights? So the, the lights are on in the arena as normal. Then they all go out and then, then the lights, there's like a row of spotlights that focuses on the front row. It goes all the way up and all the way down and then just focuses on the ring and, and basically blacks at the crowd, which is quite cool. Kind of raised, raised the, the kind of anticipation for the match, which I quite liked. Um, in terms of Roderick Strong, I've got, again, I know nothing of him. To be perfectly honest, I know his name because he's got Roderick Strong. Yeah. It's a phenomenal name. And actually, speaking of great names, do you want to know what Matt's middle name is? On Matt Riddle? Yeah. Um, well, I know, but go on. Well, Matthew Frederick Riddle. Yeah. Ricky, Ricky Riddle. Okay. <laughs> Fucking lovely stuff. I like that. There's another thing I, I quite noticed about it, which is one of those little things I quite like about NXT, is that the old the arena's got the old school barriers as well. Mm. The old school ones, which is quite nice. There's a tremendous trio of gut wrench suplexes at the beginning by Matt Riddle. And then it kind of goes into like a bit of a striking exchange. And what I think is quite interesting, actually, is that, Matt Riddle's strikes generally that look quite good. His forearms, his kicks look good. His punches are awful. Yeah. And I wonder if that's because he actually knows how to throw a real punch mm. and struggles to throw a working punch. He's no big boss man, is he? He's no <laughs> razor Ramon. Like, oh. but it looks good. He hits an absolutely brutal brain buster on Roderick <laughs> Strong that made it made my bollocks go inside up inside myself. <laughs> I love it too perfectly honest. And there's there's this great, great bits where they, they kind of talk about Roderick Strong being like the master of the backbreaker, I think. Yeah. And they really kind of sell that in this match, and he really does a number on on um, on Riddle's back. And to be fair to Riddle, he is selling his back injuries brilliantly. And there's a bit where he kind of has a bit of a comeback and he does a nip up and then immediately starts selling his back again and ends up kind of on his knees, which is great. But the problem is in this match, Ronello's already fucking screaming his head off. He's yeah. already you can see me. In my in your mind's eye, he's fucking purple already. He's just going nuts already, and it's like, come on, mate, start opening match. It's really good. It's really good, but you're going too hard on this. Well, also, like we're so after the nice little retrospective video, you're giving a rundown of the card. So it's these lads. Then there's a four team ladder match for the NXT Tag Team Championship. There we go. <laughs> and then Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze for the North American title. Shayna Baszler and Io Shirai for the ladies title. And then Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano. And I'm like, we've got a ladder match to get through. Mm. And he's blown his load. I do like the thought of him being all purple. <laughs> like, like, he's just like a little grape. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, just like on the side. And someone's like, wait, you, 
Oi, grape, settle down. Yeah, you're going to have a fucking heart attack, mate. Yeah, but yeah, this was, I thought this was great. This is, I'm going to see how I feel reliving the next match Mm -hmm. through talking, because this is, it's between this one and that one for my match of the night. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've also got to give a quick shout to Roderick Strong's Boston Crabs. He hits yeah. one Boston Crab that looks that looks really brutal. Riddle manages to escape and he reverses it straight into another one, which is basically like a Wars of Jericho where he really like cranks yeah. the knee in and it's fucking amazing. Also, quick shout out to the to the old um the clairvoyant, the old fortune teller in the crowd, who's got a uh, bro sign, which is in the same font as the NWO slash old RKO t shirts used to be. How about that? Mm, I like so, that. Fair play to that lad in the front row. Or lass. Could be a lass. Yeah. Also, could I give... I think this is Ronello says this. He talks about the... It's the half crab that Roderick Strong Mm -hmm. does. He really talks about how the emphasis there isn't on the back. It's on the knee. He's really trying to hurt the knee. I thought, you know what? I like that. Because uh, it's pretty obvious, but everyone always plays the back card, especially as he was working over Riddle's back. And I thought, go on, lad. Appreciate mm. that. And then you get the cracking ones later on. So after that match, we get an advert for the Saudi show, which uh, features yeah. a, what I'm sure hey, is a hey, classic. Hey, 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 hey. It's the WrestleMania equivalent <laughs> pay-per-view <laughs> from Jeddah. That's right. Okay. Um, yeah, featuring Goldberg versus the Undertaker. I must admit, I've never watched any of these Jeddah shows, and I don't think I ever will. No, I watched one and regretted it because I felt a bit dirty afterwards. Mm. Next, we get backstage. We get uh, Johnny Gargano is playing with a, a massive elastic band <laughs> backstage. Um, I wondered. It's a shame Matt's not here because I wondered if he had it with him when he met him. Yeah. I'm going to say yes. Yeah. Well, he's stretching 90 minutes before his match here, so. He's probably warmed up for his next match, That's which probably. might be in six months' time, silly sod. I did think to myself, you know, you know, you always, whenever you work in an office, there's always one person with their elastic band ball. Mm. I wonder how big Johnny Gargano's is, if he's rocking elastic bands that that big. Enormous, I expect. Um, next, we see Shawn Michaels and Road Dogg in the crowd. It's just a little reminder, really, that the mystique of Shawn Michaels is entirely gone because he breaks out his reading glasses at some point. <laughs> And now we're on to our next match, which is the Undisputed Era, Billy the Fish and Carl O'Reilly versus the Street Profits versus Forgotten Sons versus Only Lorcan and Danny Birch. I must admit, fuck me, when I saw this lineup, I I didn't know who the Forgotten Sons were, but I was like, hello, the old fucking gaffer tape's coming out now because I think this is going to be a fucking banger. The match goes on for 21 minutes and 40 seconds and the Street Profits win. I must admit, this was amazing. When basically uh, one of the sons is uh, climbing up the ladder. I couldn't remember which one. And the other one is kind of holding the ladder up. All the other combatants have been the Undisputed Era and uh, Birch and Lorcan have been kind of kicked out of the ring or, or not there. All of a sudden, Andrew Dawkins spears one of the sons through the ladder, which is an absolutely phenomenal spear. Then out of nowhere... Montez Ford jumps from presumably the top turnbuckle or the top rope onto the ladder, lands perfectly. Like the balance, the strength in that man's like ankles and knees and thighs must be unbelievable. And the person, one of the sons, whoever it is, I'm going to say it's uh, Blake or Murphy, whichever one that was, um, is is up there. And he just gets a, just a single right hand to the face and falls off the ladder. And it looks, you'd all know, like you see quite a lot of ladder matches when there's people at the top of a ladder and they usually have like a big exchange of punches on the top. He looks so shocked when Montez Ford lands that you can believe they would just take one punch to knock him off. And then Montez jumps, uh, gets the ladder, 
and then they run into the crowd and have a lovely laugh with all the fans in the crowd with their red cups. A lovely old laugh in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> there was a guy who I used to work with. He was a director of um, he was a director of change in the company I worked for, which is as, as pointless a job title as you can actually imagine. But one time we'd, we'd some people had managed to achieve something. And he said, uh, so, Anna, just to remember, remember it to everyone, we're going down to the pub later for a few sellies afterwards. So fuck, fuck you fucking absolute cunt. Absolute but anyway, they're having a couple of sellies in the crowd. All the monsters of Angelo Dawkins are having a lovely time. Yeah, I mean, they're planted cups, aren't they? Which is a bit disappointing. Oh. But no, you know what? I got street profits uh, from my boys, so I'm not going to criticise them too much. This is uh, this is excellent, isn't it? Mm. Because, like you said, Tommy, when you see three, a bit like you, I kind of knew the Forgotten Sons were. The main reason I knew that they were is because Jackson Riker, who uh, comes down mm. at some point in the match, and we'll get to that, got sacked for making pro-Trump tweets, which seems a bit... A bit ripped, isn't it? Considering that it he's is. in their Hall of Fame. Yeah, and... Uh, I know it's not WWE specifically, but Linda McMahon has donated a lot of money and also worked for his administration. Mm. Seem a bit rich, but anyway, enough about that. So you've got the teams coming down, Street Profits come down the ramp and then go off through the crowd. And Mauro Ronaldo says, I'll bet their hearts are racing like the Indy 500. Don't know why. Don't know mm. when the Indy 500 is. It's definitely not in Bridgeport. I know <clears> that. And then uh, Lorcan and Birch are in the ring with... Ford and Dawkins, and then the Undisputed Era's music hits, and they cut to the ring, and Montez Ford is really aggressively playing the air <laughs> guitar to the music to one of Lorcan and Birch. No, it's, he's doing that to the Undisputed Era. He's doing it to someone in the ring, because he's looking... Oh, sorry, no, yeah, sorry, he's playing along to the Undisputed Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah amazing. So good. I Absolutely, love that. like, he's so intense. Yeah, it's so fucking good, isn't it? We've seen we've seen a lot of matches between us. We've covered a few on this show. There is nothing out of the ordinary in this, really. There's a lovely double German suplex spot oh. to Lorcan and Birch, who have got the ladder around their heads. And they then throw it back in Carlo Riley, who takes an extraordinary amount of punishment for the first 10 or 12 minutes of this match. Almost gets killed by this ladder. <laughs> like, terrifyingly so. And then it, it all just kind of goes, it just flows nicely. It's exciting to watch. Like you, This is one of those where, like, and I find this a lot with lad, multi-team ladder matches, especially with these teams. I didn't have a clue who was winning. Did not have a clue. And then old Jackson Riker comes down. Big old bull of a man. A big old unit. He's clearing people out left, right, and centre. So he's the other member of the Forgotten Sons, for those who don't know. So I don't know if I mentioned that. And uh, yeah, he's clearing people out. He's beating them out. And then there's just a multi-person beatdown of him. Mm. So all, all six of the other guys. So you've got Dawkins and Ford, Lorcan and Birch, and O'Reilly and Fish. Just start wailing on him. And it's brilliant because it what it does. So this match goes 21 and a half minutes. It breaks it up because it's a lot. It's a, there's a lot going on and it's paced beautifully up until that point but this must be 12 minutes in 12, 40 mm. minutes in something like that and it just gives you that two or three minutes downtime and you're like yeah, oh, right there's a little bit of stuff and then it goes to the next which is a fantastic finish that you mentioned Tommy where he springboards up onto the top rope and lands it like he's putting one foot in front of the other and this just like this match feels very dangerous it's very tense because of that. But you know everyone is in complete control. 
the Riker stuff is perfectly placed. I know the end of this, I was like, where'd you go from here? Yeah. Like you just had two absolute barnstormers. And I'm like, oh, where do we go, lads? Where do we go? Mm. It's true. This match is fucking excellent. This is my match of the night. I was watching mm. it and I just had a smile on my face the entire time. I enjoyed it so much. Um, just going straight through it, like I'll go through my notes in chronological order, right? So Montez, the Street Profits in general, but Montez Ford, Montez Ford is a star. He is going to be big, I think. Yeah. If they, unless they fuck it up, he he. I would talk about him in the way that I would have talked about Sasha Banks when she was in NXT. Like there's mm. something he's got it, hasn't he? I've gotten Sons came out, and I was like, this is a little bit of a far too late Sons of Anarchy gimmick, isn't it? Because they've been <laughs> off the air for five years at this point. Sons of Anarchy. So it's a bit like there we go. There's very little fanfare for um for Birch and Lorcan as they come down, which I quite like because he like there's there's like the flamboyance really of the of the Street Profits, and then there's the kind of like you know, the, the the motorbike gang kind of the forgotten son stuff. And then they just come down and just walk down in their pants yeah. with their bald heads. Lovely old job. Yes, lads. Um, then the Undisputed Era come out. And I've thought this before, even more so in um, AEW. But Kyle O'Reilly's walk. No, I've written wank. Kyle <laughs> 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 O'Reilly's wank really annoys me. And I don't know if it's supposed to or not. Because he just, I don't know, he just does something weird with his head, almost like he's trying to be Dino Brown. But not quite. It doesn't work in the same way. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely designed to annoy you. Yeah, probably. So the match kind of starts out. They, they all kind of go to each other like a mass ball like it is. And it really, it's intense. It's not just... Four people running, four groups of people pairing off into corners and fighting. It looks like a proper fight. And the, the ring kind of gets cleared. And then there's a bit when the Undisputed Era and Birch and Lorcan are in the ring together and the crowds are going, ooh, like that. As obviously, as a callback to that show that we watched where they had that yeah. incredible tag team match, which is really nice. There's a bit where after one of the Sons of Anarchy, and that's what I'm calling them now, one of the Sons of Anarchy hits a one fan in vain tries to start a holy shit holy shit <laughs> and he does it about six times and no one joins him which is brilliant so there is an absolutely brutal you talk about Kylo Riley taking taking an absolutely horrendous man but punishment he takes a horrible bump onto like the top of a ladder which yeah. is absolutely foul and that is gross the German double suplex that you said by Lorcan and Birch on on the Suns when they got the ladder on their head is absolutely amazing. Fucking hell, mate. Montez Ford's frog splash. Oh, yeah. It's just a thing of absolute beauty. There's a great moment where the Undisputed Era hit a code breaker and then a German suplex onto Montez Ford, onto a ladder, which I was just like, what the fuck? And there's yeah. another there's another spot as well where I think it's one of the Sons of Anarchy again is led on a ladder and the... Uh, street profits are doing moves without like, jumping over each other and landing on him and it's just so absolutely savage there's a great spot where billy the fish is climbing up the ladder and someone power bombs kyle o'reilly into the ladder and yeah. old bobby fish looks like he's about to die when he falls off it i mean he's not the youngest is he old billy the fish yeah. no, no. Tell you, that's their fucking hip transplant all over it and i was at this point where i was like i cannot deal with Moro Ranello anymore. Then mm. the other um, bike comes down and absolutely lays into everyone and Montez Ford takes an enormous bump over the top rope. Like an unnecessarily high bump, which is amazing. And then that's when there's a bit where someone takes a back body drop onto the ladder and Moro goes, that body, that body, He genuinely says it like that. And that was a bit where I laughed out loud as commentary. Yeah. I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. But it's just, it's just so good. Like, as you said, old man, 
there's nothing massively, you know, there's nothing massively groundbreaking. I mean, there's, there's some moves that we haven't seen before, but we've all seen a variation of most of the moves that happen in this match. It's just the intensity and the frequency and the, I don't know, it's just there's, there's something about this match, the urgency with it. You know, I mean, you, we've discussed before, and I know it's a big bugbear of yours, old man, where you get matches where it doesn't seem like anybody wants to win. These teams want to win. They yeah. want. They all want to win this match, and they all do a great job of doing this. And whilst you said at the beginning, old man, that you didn't know who was going to win, like watching the match in complete isolation of itself, it seems like the right team win. It seems like the Street Profits mm-hmm. should have won that match. Send the crowd home happy. You know, because the baby faces have gone through there. Obviously, but I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think the only team that really would have been an unpopular choice to win would have been the Sons of Anarchy because there's a bit where they go to climb up the ladder and the crowd are booing the shit out of them. Yeah. Um, like, it's actually quite brutal. Um, and I don't know if that's good heat or if it's ex-pack heat. But um, the, the the fact is, I think the right team won and, and the rest of the crowd are absolutely loving it. There's also a bloke in the crowd in there when they're doing their celebrations. He's wearing an Undisputed Era t-shirt. He was absolutely going nuts. And I was like, you're a prick. <laughs> you can't be... Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm not fucking... I'm not going to wear... I'm not going to sit in the home end at fucking Ashton Gate and celebrate when the away team score, am I? You're not. Because they're winning. But no, cause, well, no, I wouldn't because I don't ever go. But regardless, <laughs> regardless of that, like, it's just... I, I was just... I know it's, it's daft, I'm being facetious, but it's just one of those things you're like, oh, come on. I deliberately sit there with a big grump on. That's what I'd do. Yeah, and like Stephen said... And we were talking about um, an AWA show. And there was someone who was in a WWF cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was absolutely fuming about it. He hated it, didn't he? Absolutely fuming about it. And you know what? I mean, he's quite an angry man, isn't he, that Stephen? But I kind of agree with him. Yeah, I, I could agree with him as well. I could kind of be like, yeah, you know what? I think you might be right, lad. Definitely. And I think that's, that's what I got from that guy celebrating. Do you know what? I've I've made a decision. That is my match of the night. And I've been struggling a little bit to think of who my MVP of this was. Mm. I I really struggled. Um, And I'm going to give it to Kyle O'Reilly because just because that bump. You know, remember the bump that uh, I think Randy Orton takes at WrestleMania 30 when Batista and him do the Batista bomb slash RKO on Daniel Bryan and he hits the corner of the of the monitor on the announce table. It's like that, isn't it? That's the sort of bump that it would... You know, like when you bang your head against something or you stub your toe or, and you just get inexplicably angry at yeah. something? That's that bump in there. That's yeah, what yeah. that bump is. You just be like, fucking hell, fuck you, fucking gun, I hate you, fuck you. You know, to everyone, you know. <laughs> Absolute agony. So that's that match. Have you got anything else on that one, old man? This is my match tonight as well. Mm. I think it's got to be, I think, because there is, as much as I love Riddle and Strong, there's a lot to this. And I think the addition... Just this little genius addition of Riker in the middle. Mm, slows it down, doesn't it? Yeah. And also, like you said, it kind of makes people think, these forgotten cunts are going to fucking win this. Mm. Unbelievable. I can't... Oh, no. The, the old cunts of anarchy. Yeah. The sons of anarchy. Yeah. And yeah. the MVP, I don't know. I'm struggling with that, so I'll give us some thought. Mm. Next, we have a promo from Ronda Rousey's 24 uh, documentary. It was clearly a massive fluff piece trying to make her more likeable. I don't know how yeah. successful that was. I watch a lot of those things and uh, I've not watched that one. There's one on Kofi Kingston I've not watched and one on Our Truth I've not watched. Apart from that, I think I've watched all of them. Really? Be some, yeah, some about those people. Mm. But to be fair, you kind of know everything there is to know about Kofi Kingston yeah. and Our Truth, don't you? After that, we've got a little announcement that uh, On My Teeth 
by Underoath is the official theme of NXT TakeOver 25. I wonder if um, Dr. Britt Baker was backstage and had any involvement in that. She's a dentist. Very nice. I, I don't think I'm going to listen to that. Do you? Um, no, I don't. Th- I'd probably be more inclined to listen to Dr. Britt Baker rip out someone's teeth. Although you, she might have been backstage because yeah. she is obviously Adam Cole's girlfriend. Exactly. It wasn't just a, uh, a dental thing. There was a bit of context behind that, mate. Oh, lovely. He's a fucking pro, this guy. <laughs> so next we get uh, Io Shirai backstage and she is doing some squats or something like that. And uh, she's joined by someone called Candice LeRae who says something to her, but you can't hear any of it because the commentators are waffling over over the top yeah. of it. Unusual yeah. and an unusual slip from the WWE production team there. It's not as slick as it usually is. No, I just wonder if they just weren't saying anything very interesting. And <laughs> yeah, maybe good. they were like, because Candice LeRae is, um, at this point, isn't a particularly big deal. But I believe it's in about the next year or so, she'd become quite a big deal with Johnny Gargano, who's her husband. Right. Yeah, she's kind of like just a little bit on the side at this point. But also... um. You know what WWE are like. So Iro Shirai is Japanese. They were probably like, oh, I don't know whether our American audience can handle listening to someone Japanese speak. Because uh. they are quite prone to do that. Or at least that's how I perceive it. Yeah, I know what you mean. It can be a bit... Yeah, it can just be a bit like, if we don't need them to talk, then we won't have yeah. them. Also, I don't know what they would have been saying. Would it just be like, all right, mate, how's it going? Just doing some squats. Do you mind fucking off? Oh, yeah, cool. No worries. I'll go yeah. away now. I'm still, yeah, I'm still doing my, uh, doing my, my Apple Fitness Plus. I'm doing some DDP <laughs> yoga. Just backstage, yeah. just, just piss off a second. Yeah, it's a bit of a weird, bit of a weird moment. Like I said, don't really know, don't really know why I say, especially considering that I said the commentators are watching over it. The next match we have is uh, Velveteen Dream, who is the North American champion, uh, versus Tyler Breeze. The match goes for 16 minutes and 50 seconds, and it wins after Velveteen Dream hits the Dream Valley Driver and then the Purple Rainmaker Elder Drop. First of all, we've discussed Velveteen Dream before and how mm-hmm. he's been accused of some very unsavory things that I feel it, it, feel the need to bring up, but that's the last we're going to touch on it, and everything we're going to talk about is, is, is going to be kind of with, with that in mind. But you've got to give a shout out. The fucking names of his moves are amazing. Yeah. The Dream Valley yeah. Driver and the Purple Rainmaker Elbow Drop are amazing. And the, before the match starts, we get a pre-match promo, and it's kind of the story of the promo is is, is of Tyler Breeze going to NXT, uh, going up to the main roster. She, they actually show some footage of him getting called up to the main roster, which is quite nice. And then basically saying like he hasn't really done anything and he's coming back down and now there's a new dog in town in Tyler in in Velveteen Dream. The best bit in the entire thing is the footage of him recording his theme song of uh, of Tyler Breeze recording his theme song. And there's a bit where it just cuts from you to goes, ah, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely phenomenal. Um, what you got to say about the match, right? Tyler Breeze's music. Mm. We, we talked about this before. And also Velveteen Dream's music as well. And Velveteen Dream has gone full Prince. Mm. He's gone full Purple Rain Prince. So he's wearing a ruffle shirt when he comes down to the ring. I I can't be honest. I thought this was a bit of nothing. Mm-hmm. Considering, so like we prefixed this before, we went into a lot more detail about Velveteen Dream stuff and that. In ring, I really thought he's really, really fucking good. And I like Tyler Breeze as well. I don't know whether they didn't gel very well in the ring, but I just thought this was a bit of nothing. I can't review my notes earlier and I've got barely any notes on this because there's just not... There's not a whole lot to it. 
Mm. It feels very much like they're going through the motions and it was all a bit clunky. It's all a bit telegraphed, like there was in the main event. There's a lot of looking up, pauses, like just little pauses, and then, oh, yeah, that's what we're doing, that's what we're doing. Or at least that's how it came across. And I don't know, I was a bit disappointed with this. I, they're also, they're in a very, very tough spot because they're following two real good matches. And you are probably 50 minutes into this card at this point, and there's been no let up since the mm. opening video. And it's difficult to keep that momentum going but this felt like a big old drop i thought it's an interesting one i think it suffers really because of the fact is i wasn't sure who the babyface was yes much because on paper tyler breeze is the babyface he's coming back with a sympathetic character but he's not particularly sympathetic and doesn't play it in that manner either the velveteen dream is like this ego maniacal androgynous incredible athlete and Tyler Breeze is this self-obsessed there's a lot of similarities between the two characters it's kind of a little bit like Shawn Michaels versus Rick Martel at SummerSlam 92 when they're fighting Mm. in the sensational show where they're both basically playing different versions of the same character and it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't really work I mean there's there are some nice spots in it like there's a bit where the first start right the unprettier or the kill switch is in my opinion the most nonsensical, shittest move in all of professional wrestling. That being said, Velveteen Dream hits it perfectly. Because what always annoys me, especially with Christian, when he does it, is that he basically does the thing where he wraps their arms around and then turns around to their heads down, like, by their lower back, by his lower back. And then there's always, like, an unnecessary, like, pause for Mm. some reason. Whereas, like, when Velveteen Dream hits it, he just does it so quickly. And it's, it's the only time I've ever seen that move look anything close to being effective and actually he then sells it incredibly later on when when, um uh when i was gonna say Dolph Ziggler then when Tyler Breeze hits him with it you're right it's it's a slower pace and that slower pace was needed after those Mm. first two matches but there's just something about it doesn't work if you were going to have a slower paced match you'd want people who were probably a bit more map based a bit more map Mm. savvy you know like if you had someone like Daniel Bryan or I know I know he would have been on the main roster or Johnny Gargano as we see later on who's very capable of the map based stuff you know or or any number of wrestlers like like, I got William Regal in his prime in that kind of position that would have been perfect because it would have slowed the pace down but it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have looked like it was slow because it was a bit clunky it looks slow mm. because it was deliberately slow it's not bad but it's not great there's there's not really much to it i mean there's a lot more there's a bit more aggression from tyler breeze than i've seen in other matches which i quite liked but there was never any real kind of reason for him to do so you know it didn't seem no. like it was kind of like basically the story of going into it is, of the pre-match video is yeah i've come back i want to win something you know yeah. that's that's it and it, there's not really much to it what i will say though is that Velveteen Dreams, Death Valley Driver. It's a thing of absolute yeah. beauty. It's it's an incredible piece of work. And there's a bit in it as well, as well where Tyler Breeze's ear is bleeding, which it looks looks gross. It's, yeah. it's just not somewhere you want to be bleeding from, is it? No, that and the asshole are two of the yeah. places. And, and the dick hole are probably yeah. three, three of the places where you definitely don't want to be bleeding from. With old, with old uh, Ty Breeze, as he likes to be known on the streets, is an interesting one as well, because obviously... Like you said, the feud is effectively Velveteen Dream saying, you're crap, mate, and you did crap on the main roster. So, yeah, come down here and you still won't do anything and you'll still be crap. And then he loses. And it's a bit like, oh, from a booking point of view, where would you then take Tyler Breeze? I know he's then put into back 
put back into the tag team with Fandango after this, so it does it doesn't do too much damage. But there's also after the old uh, I was going to say final whistle. Then after the old <laughs> final whistle, yeah, there's the bit where Tyler Breeze wants to take a selfie mm. with Velveteen Dream. And Velveteen Dream is like, no, no, I don't want to. And then Breeze reaches out, puts his hand on him. He's like, no, no, you don't touch the dream. And then he has the picture taken. And then Velveteen Dream walks out. He's high fiving all the fans. Yeah. Like, like, what's going on? Like, is he? I mean, he's a face anyway. The crowd love him. Mm. Like, the crowd absolutely. He can't get heat on him. Like, it's impossible because the crowd are just really enamoured with him, as I would have been. Well, as, yeah. as I was at this point when I was, I'd stop watching at this point. But uh, like when I was watching when he first came through we covered Brooklyn like at that point I was like this guy's fucking hell yeah this guy is money all over turns out he's scummy all over <laughs> but the good thing is as well we're talking about the you failed on the main roster you've not done anything the Tyler Bruce would be like when he starts good enough to get called up to the main roster oh shit son exactly exactly <laughs> do you know the best the worst thing that ever happened to him was Dolph Ziggler not getting fired when he got called up to the main roster too many similarities yeah, well, and also, uh, I think there have been a few like this in uh, NXT. And I can remember having a chat with friend of the show, Ash. And I don't know whether it was Tyler Breeze or someone else, but it was around about this time where they got called up when they were calling people up. And I was like, that's not something that works in an arena. Mm. That's a small, I know this is in an arena, but like a smaller arena. It's not a stadium thing, the Tyler mm. Breeze gimmick. And it just wouldn't ever work. And that was his whole thing. He's got the furry selfie stick. Ah, oh, come on. There's been a couple. Um, who was it? Mojo Rawley was one. That, oh, that was, he, was, he, was. The, he was over, massively over yeah. in the early days. He he was one. I think to some extent, even like Bailey, before she changed yeah. her character, never really worked to, to the extent that you thought she would, despite the fact that she's an incredible wrestler. I'd also say that the there's like the Ascension, who their act just didn't translate over. They in, in NXT they were like a dominant old school kind of tag team that just didn't work on the main roster. The the Vaud villains. You know, there's lots of these kind of characters that they'll work at, like you said, old man, in a in a smaller environment on a week to week basis where the fans can where it's it's almost like where because it was all kind of done in the in the PC at the time, where the fans had the chance to kind of grow with the characters and mm. and then they became like favourites. Whereas yeah, when you when you're part of a touring company, you're like, I don't know, you're going from city to city and people are like, Yeah, well, they're all right. But that's the thing as well, is like Tyler Breeze is the kind of guy that like, I remember when me and my sister went to see Raw and SmackDown on consecutive nights and there were people on that that and I was watching regularly at the time that I'd not seen on T V for about mm. six months. And they were just part of the touring schedule and that's that's all Velveteen Dream. That's Wesley Blake and Steve Cutler. Steve Cutler. Steve. Yeah. Steve next. Yeah, old Steve Cutler from the old Forgotten Cunts. But yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's weird as well because like it just seems like such a waste. Yeah. Because apparently he was well, he runs a wrestling school, doesn't he? Now, and apparently he was enormous in the background. Like I've heard Bailey and Sasha Banks talk about him. Really? They talk about him like he's a god. Yeah, how much he like would help people backstage. Yeah, I think he might be a good lad, old Tyler. Yeah, I think he might be right. Oh, and yeah. everyone's and everyone's like, oh look, it's Tyler. <laughs> yeah, when he comes in. So next we get a promo for a Triple H and Randy Orton in, in Saudi again. That's not a massive selling point to me at this stage and at that stage in their careers. Ah, uh, 2019. That might have been Triple H's last match. When was Triple H's last match? 
June 29th uh, in Tokyo, apparently. His last televised match was that match. Which really? was about two weeks before, yeah. Mm, blimey. Do you know what? Like, Triple H is a bit of a weird one for me because I think he's very, very much tainted by association and by his backstage presence. There's no denying that there was a, a couple of years, like 2000, in 2000 in particular, where he was very, very good. Incredibly good. But there's always that kind of like, especially when you think when you think about like I don't you guys had a really long discussion about it a couple of weeks ago about the authority like I think like that that era of Triple H along with like the indestructible kind of era of Triple H where he just never lost and never put people over mm. are always going to be for me take precedence over the years that he was really good yeah there's this thing and I've heard him say it about various little feuds it's like the whole Sting thing. We, we've we definitely mm. talked about this. Sting arrested me to say, well, where he was like, well, I had to go over because the plan was there was going to be Rocky and Ronda against him and Steph the next year at Mania. It's like, I kind of get it, but I mean, no, come on, that's no, you st- didn't. You didn't have to go over. Yeah, that's a stretch. And there's the thing where I've heard, um, I can't remember who it was. They were talking about either Punk or Jeff Hardy and how he'd keep beating them. Mm. Because then it was like, well, because then when you beat me, it'll mean something. And then they never beat him. Yeah. Like like one-on-one. Not like... He, no, he doesn't pin Triple H, does he, Jeff Hardy? Yeah. Armageddon. He, pin, he pins Edge, I think. Or no, yes. Kozlov. So he pins someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't pin him, yeah. Yeah, it's just kind of like, come on, mate. Well, and you, you also just get... Just do the well, job. Like, Don't be worried about it. You also, you also got like the... Like the entrances and stuff are one thing. Like the ridiculous over-the-top entrances are, are a massive ego trip for men. But they, some of them do look quite cool. But the one that will always stick out for me is that fucking Sting match. Because Sting just comes down first with his little music and his little bat and he walks down to the ring. Then he's got to stand there for fucking like 25 minutes while Triple H just comes out <laughs> dressed up like a fucking Terminator. <laughs> the ring. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, all because they had some Terminator tie-in. Uh, it did make me watch the film. Oh, was that, was that Terminator Genesis? That was why. That wasn't too bad, that film. Oh, was that the one where they... I saw Khaleesi from Game of Thrones playing um. Yeah, me, me and a friend of the show, Johnny Morgan, watched started watching that. And they really undo the first Terminator mm. in the first bit. And I was instantly like, my back was up. <laughs> so uh, we turned it off. I think it's the kind of thing where if I watched it on mute, I'd have simmered down. It'd been all right. But me and Johnny together, nah. And then we watched uh, we watched Straight Outta Compton instead. Oh, lovely stuff. So then we get another promo, um, which basically shows someone getting tattooed, and it's Damien Priest. It is. And then we get the co-main event of the evening, which is uh, Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai uh, for the NXT Women's Championship. Um, Baszler wins with a... Kira Fuda clutch or a Reina Couture, because any normal human would call it Moro, after a reverse of a pinfall attempt, and the crowd are gutted. Mm. Yeah, I was gutted that this cut out after 12 minutes 15 seconds. Because mm. I felt like this was really, really getting going. So there's it's a lovely little story running through the match where Baze starts working over Io Shirai's left arm. To your point, Tommy, the lefty. Mm. And uh, like Io Shirai's trying to make a comeback. It keeps getting caught. It's classic. It's wrestling 101. It's the underdog against the absolute fucking beast that is Shayna Baszler, especially at this point. But the overdog, some might say. <laughs> yes. And boy, is she fucking over as well. But she, uh, Io Shirai hits a German suplex into a bridge mm. on Baszler. And it's, oh, it's amazing 
And that, then she has to let go because she's selling her arms. And I was like, oh, this is fucking brilliant. And then they pro- they properly, properly get going and they're drawing me, they're drawing me in. And I'm like, oh, I'm fucking having this. This is lovely old job. And then it ends with the, uh, what was it? The caricature clutch or whatever it's called. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and there's no um, escape. And then like regram the transition into it is very good. Yes, right. So Eoshirai goes to, rolls back to pin so Baszler and then so, bridges back, which I'm yeah. demonstrating for Tommy, <laughs> for the <laughs> listener. And uh, yeah, and then gets like launched into it, which is a lovely thing. But I think I was just glad. I think this might be the one and only Eoshirai match I've seen. Queen of the Skies, apparently. Yeah. Rim Mysterio fan, apparently. Yeah, she's come down with her little tiger mask, didn't she? Mm. Which I enjoyed because it got little little furry sides. But I was just really, I was really gutted with this because I yeah. really, really what they did, I really enjoyed. But the finish just really, I was like, ah, oh. and I was like, well, surely the reason that they've had it go this way is that Gargano was winning later, so that's kind of like the hill facing. But then I was like, well, I don't think that's happening. I couldn't mm. see that happening. And I was like, oh, it's a good way to sell a rematch that they never have. Oh, really? Yeah, because I, I checked afterwards. I was like, I wonder what happens. The next one is in Toronto and they don't have a rematch. They might have had one on TV in mm. between. But yeah, yeah, Io Shirai fights, oh, fights Candice LeRae. So, her friend. Yeah, her mate, Candice LeRae. Now, uh, Sheena Baszler is by the four horsewomen. Yes. So there's two, two other MMA ladies who I must confess, no idea what their names are. But they go to come down. It must be about eight minutes into the match. Candice LeRae comes down with this kendo stick. And to say that she lays it in would be polite. <laughs> she is fucking wailing on them. Like, she, absolutely beating the piss out of them. She destroys one of the kendo sticks. Yeah. It's uh, like, this is how you do it. This is how you do a kendo stick attack. She absolutely wails on them. And I fucking loved that. I absolutely love the sheer brutality. So we've had Riker coming down in the ladder match. Again, brutal in what he does. Mm. And also gets beaten up by six other people. Does he love a gang beat down? It turns out when it's done well. And then you've got this. And I just thought, oh, this is lovely. And then it ends. And I was like, oh, yeah. have some more, please, boss. Yeah, I, I do feel like five minutes can be shaped from the main event and put added to this match. I think mm-hmm. um, the pre-match promo shows Shayna Baszler being an absolute killer, which made me think, what the fuck's gone wrong with that on the main roster? Mm-hmm. Like, why, again, why have they butchered that so much? Because she looks like a fucking absolute killer as well. And that's how she should be presented as such. And I'm not necessarily saying that she's been, you know, presented as as anything less than a good wrestler on the main roster, but she should be a heel champion mm-hmm. on one of the brands. It's, it's ridiculous that she's not. Um, Io Shirai's music is an absolute fucking banger. It's like some Kevin and Perry go large. It's lovely. <laughs> it's absolutely lovely. And Baze has got quite a cool kind of MMA style entrance where she kind of like comes out of the you know the locker room and everything, which I just quite appreciate. I thought that was quite good. At this point, Mara Ranelli starts waffling on about fucking Marilyn Monroe for some oh. reason. I don't know what he's trying to say. And there's a lovely exchange at the beginning of the match where basically, like, Shayna Baszler gets Shirai to the floor and goes to, like, kick her in the head, but then faints and does, like, a little, it's a little, like, tap kick to the head. And Shirai, it ends up doing the same set of moves back, but then absolutely just fucking slaps the piss out of her. 
It's amazing. It's so good. And there's then there's another awful fucking bit of commentary from Ronaldo. He goes, she loves the smell of napalm in the morning and she's bringing the apocalypse now. Yeah. Fuck off. What is I, that? I must say, he ground my gears during the last match. So like we said, there's not a whole lot to the Velveteen Dream Tyler Breeze match, but he's trying to make it like it's the Super Bowl mixed with the World Cup final. Mm. And during this match, that Apocalypse Now thing, I didn't write it down because it infuriated me. And I'm glad you've said it because you reminded me of just how shit it was. Yeah. It's a sort of thing where you're like, I'm going to fucking say it. Huh? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. And then he says it and then no one reacts to it. No. There's bits of his commentary where he starts saying something and then he realises what he's talking is absolute rubbish and then starts kind of like fumbling and stumbling over what he's trying to mm. say. He's trying to make everything that he does a soundbite. I thought, you know, you know, he, every now and again, cunt of the night. Who's mine, old man? All right. Nigel McGuinness. <laughs> no. <all right. laughs> yeah, Ronella. Awful. So we're talking about this and I just realised who he is. He's Matt Stryker in lead comms. Mm. Where he's like, when we covered WrestleMania 26, I had a big thing about how he's the soundbite guy in that in that three-man booth. Mm. But this is the lead guy. I mean, the, the Apocalypse Now thing is, it's just... It doesn't make any sense. Uh, no, it's got no place. Like, there's no napalm. It's not the morning. No, um, Robert Duval's not there. <laughs> he was the guy who actually says the line. And like you said, and I think this is always the mark of a commentator is that old Nige and Beth don't even react. No. There's nothing. It's just silence. There's a bit where uh, Shayna Bates has got um, Shirai in a uh, like a wrist lock and turns it into a suplex, which is really cool. There's a cracking 619 by Shirai, mm. which is absolutely flawless. And she does a great moonsault from the top rope to the outside, which did make me think, I'm a fucking amateur, a fucking nutter. Have you got to be to do that move? So yeah. do, I mean, you think about this, we take things for granted, don't we? You're, we watch wrestling, we're used to it. And then, but every now and again, I need to uh, get on a chair to reach something from the cupboards, uh, above the cupboards in the kitchen. And I get there and I think, that's how, if I, get, if I jump down from this, I'm going to do my knees in. So to think of this, I mean, I mean how, how tall do you think from the, it's probably 10 feet from the floor, from the arena floor to the top rope is. Yeah, I haven't seen like people stood up, but yeah, I reckon. That's mental. Well, and then you've got the person on top, so if they're six foot tall, they're jumping from 16 feet, Tommy. <laughs> of course, yeah, according to Stroker map. <laughs> yeah. That's what you've got to do. Yeah, exactly. And then also Shroy hits a lovely double, like running double knee. But then after the match ends, Shroy then attacks Bezer with a kendo stick and then hits a moonsault and then hits another moonsault with a chair. And I was a little bit like, you lost fair and square. You lost clean in the ring. You may have bad blood from previous mm. with the four horsewomen, but... You haven't been wronged, at least in the context of this match. It just makes you come off as... Nasty. Yes. It's not a great babyface move. And then the commentator has tried to justify by saying that she's been through hell with the four horsewomen and everything. But it all just came off a little bit like, nerf me. And then I ended up being sympathetic for the heel. It's troublesome, isn't it? Because we had this uh, on last week's show where it's um, John Laurinaitis versus John Cena when it's uh, people power. I won't do an impression because <laughs> Matt does a really good Laurinaitis impression that people will have heard. But they stack the deck against the heel. 
And this is kind of the same thing where you're like, hang on, I'm sympathising with the heel here. Mm. Now, I just read that Yoshua does turn heel about three weeks after this. Right. But also it's kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, it's just a bit weird, isn't it? It's just mm. very, it's a very heely thing to do and a very pointless thing to do. And also, if you're going to turn her heel, then you want her to turn heel on the Ray. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who comes down and maybe says, hey, what are you doing, love? And then you get a We Want Tables chant from the cunts in the crowd. They ain't get no fucking tables. Yeah, overall, the match was good. Could have done with a couple of minutes longer, and I wasn't massively happy with the with the post-match shenanigans, but there we go. Next, we get a WWE Network promo fluffing Triple H, by the look of it. You know what? Which that I think was, I'll watch. It was pretty good, I must say. And uh, I know it's very, it's pretty easy. To look at him and to go, you're a prick, your wife's a prick. I, I'm not sure they are, unfortunately. As much as mm. I kind of wish they were. I don't think you can cover it as well. They get, they get together with old Rick Rubin. Yeah. Just yes, go and right. hang out in his garden. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, and then <laughs> Rick Rubin takes his top off and it all gets a bit sexy. Oh. And then, yeah, it's pretty good. I'll be <laughs> honest. Then we get an advert for uh, the NXT UK takeover in Cardiff. I did wonder if Matt had ever been to any of those. Well, yeah, perhaps you can ask him. Yeah, Matt, Matt. Poor poor bastard, not even there to defend himself. And then before we go, we just get a little bit of a clip of Steph in the crowd. She evidently needs to get her knob polished. And then we get an announcement that Triple H will be doing a Facebook Live after the show. So, I've got a little thing about this. So, there's the picture of Triple H, and he's holding his cufflink, evidently. Now, I don't know why, but they must have used this picture for his Facebook likes. I think he did all of them. After every takeover, he did a Facebook like. And they'd use this picture, and every time I'd see it, I'd just be like, why is he holding his cufflink? Don't want to lose it, do you? Yeah, no, but it's in his cuff, and it's linked in. It's always just one of those things where I get you don't want to just be stood there with your hands in your pockets. It's not very professional. Don't be stood there with your arms folded like you're an E17. <laughs> do you reckon he was, he, was, he was holding his knob? And they're like, no, 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 you can't do that. No, I've got my, I'll hold my Prince Albert. <laughs> no no oh. trips. No trips, you're not doing that. Yeah, but it's actually Prince Albert. <laughs> what, well, just down there with Zary back, having a lovely yeah. time. I'm like, okay, um, you must have all these accessories, mustn't you? Just hold it to your fucking cufflink. Calm down. Put your knob away. Put Prince Albert and the sledgehammer back in the cupboard. <laughs> this is have a nice photograph of you with your cufflinks. That is the end of the show, as we've already Jeez. covered the main event. I gave my match of the night, which is a ladder match, which you agreed with, and I gave my MVP of the match as being Kyle O'Reilly. Although I'm tempted to give it to the old clairvoyant with, with the future rated RK mm. bro side, but I'm going to stick with Carter Riley just simply because of that fucking back bump that he takes onto the end of the ladder. Mm. Because I, I felt that in me in me bones when he did that. Um, who is your MVP of the night, old man? I'm going to give it Candice LeRae's kendo stick. Mm. I think it puts in a heck of a shift that kendo stick to because it gets. I mean, it must be four or five, maybe six hits. And then stuff just, it just breaks. Impressive. And it's mm. the, I believe, because I was, when I was watching it, I was like, you don't see that very often. Just trying to think of how many more times I've seen a kendo stick properly broken. Like, this isn't a little bit's come off. No. This is like a wicker basket on someone's head. Good stuff. Yeah. And also good to see what I now realise having uh, that, that was skimmed through Eo Shirai's Wikipedia page. It's kind of like the start of Candice LeRae's proper little run that she'd have 
uh, in NXT. She was part of a stable with Johnny Gargano and two other people who I can't remember who. And they were heels. And they were apparently, never watched any of it, they were apparently absolutely amazing. And then uh, she got pregnant with her little baby. So she buggered off. And then Gargano was like, you know what, I think I might be done with this for a little bit. Lovely old job. Well done, lads. So, overall, old man, we've got to the end of the show. What is your overall thoughts and your ranking of the show? So after the first two matches, I thought, I'll be honest, I was like, fuck me, this could be a record breaker, this. This could be a Roy Castle all over the shop. And then you get the Dream and Breeze, which is anything but. <laughs> oh, lovely. Then you get Shrine Basin, which, as we've just said, it needs another few minutes. It needs another four or five minutes just to... As far as I know, we got the main event, which didn't do a whole lot for me. But that being said, there's nothing bad. So because of the strength of the first two matches, and also I think, like I kind of touched upon in our roundup, the first two matches are, for me, to the detriment of the rest of the card because mm-hmm. they're so good. I'm going to give this a six because, yeah. yeah, because I'd revisit it because I wonder if I've judged it a bit too harshly. I am going to give this a seven. Seven. The first two matches are really good. I think the two first two matches are excellent. They can and they they need to. I don't know if he's keeping them for these podcasts, but those two need to end up on Tinky's dirty little list. Yeah. The second and third matches, so the North American title match and the women's matches, that neither of them are bad. They're not bad matches. They just I would want better for them. And I quite like the main event. To be fair, mm. it is long. It is long. I will say that. And but you got to realize I'm going into this match with slightly different expectations to you because I'm going into this match not really thinking Adam Cole was all that, and having never seen much Johnny Gargano. So it kind of, in some ways, it actually exceeded my expectations, which is why I have decided to give this one an eight. That is everything. An eight. Hang on, you went from seven to an eight. Yeah. Well, that, that must, there must be, uh, that's what I'm giving, I'm going for the finance. Yeah, yeah. I'm going for finance. I must have, I must have changed my mind there all the way and gone for an eight, actually. So the one final thing I wanted to say about the show is that if I never need to listen to two hours and 38 minutes of Mauro Manello again, I will die a happy man. And also, old man, you're going to remind me of something later on, I'm sure of it, but I want mm-hmm. you to remember to click it or tick it. I bloody well. I bloody well. It's always good to be safe, because you know what they say, safety first, consequences second. <laughs> I heard I heard that years ago. Don't know what it means, but I've lived by that. And you know what? Right, I haven't broken a leg since. <laughs> but you did you did break Tinky's collarbone in school. No, no, he broke mine. Okay, yeah, that's right. Fucking hell, yeah. what a heel, an absolute heel. Before we go down memory load, memory load. <laughs> Memory lane. Before we go down memory lane, before we go any further down memory lane and trip and stumble down the way, I'm going to call an end to this. So all that is left for me to say, old man, thank you very much for joining me today. It would have been pretty lonely if you decided you could make it as well. Yeah, it would have been a sad state of affairs. I mean, obviously, we know stuff happens. So we're we're very sad that Matt didn't happen because he's weak. (laughs) That's right. No, no, the poor little little bugger. This is uh, the... Those that don't know Matt, say that like I know him. I know him a little bit. This is right up his alley, right up his Kirsty. He'd have been all over this, like white on rice. So it is genuinely quite disappointing that uh, he's missed it because we would have had some good conversations about some of the stuff because he'd have had a little chub on about the main event and I'd just been like, was that a full chub? He'd have gone, yeah, yeah. I'd have gone, I even got half a chub on me. How about that? <laughs> but anyway... 
that's enough thinking about minor match jobs. <laughs> All you've got to do <laughs> is rate, review, and remember, Ken Patera. Oh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Me a better man. <laughs> it's, it's not often this way. <laughs> it's not often this silver glutes about not being able to get fully erect over a wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> you would have fucking loved that oh. as well. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> That's you crying. <laughs> Good old Matty. Good old Matty boy. Yeah, God, Matty. We'll speak to you soon, buddy. We love you, brother.